Hello and welcome to Afroqueer. I'm your host, Sally Chum. Welcome to season four of Afroqueer, y'all. That's right, it is season four. We got your DMs and emails about this show and we're back. So we spent the last year reporting stories from around the world and bringing on a whole new team. This season, you're going to hear from a lot of new voices, including pitches from our audience. In fact, the first episode of season four comes from Afroqueer listener Annette Achieno. Annette's story takes us back 10 years to Kisumu, a port city in Western Kenya, and to a woman who opened her heart and her home as a place of refuge and love for countless LGBT people. It's a tale of affirmation, community, and history. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Season 4, Paula's House. Let's begin. Thank you so much, Dina. Yeah. We had this conversation about Paula's house, how we met there. We went to see her, and you remember we walked in and there was no one there. It was empty, yeah. which like really was odd. It was odd and like sad. I'm Annette Tieno, and that's my friend Dina. The Paula we are talking about is Paula Abur, a pioneer of Kenya's LGBTQ movement. Last year, Dina and I went to see her. It was a real shock. It was very sad to see her all alone in her big house in Kisumu, because that house was never empty. From 2008 and for over a decade, anyone who was LGBTQ and came to Kisumu found themselves in Paula's place, especially those of us who were young and just setting out on our queer journeys. Paula's house was part of our history, and I think it needs to be heard, to be remembered. It was one of the first safe spaces for the LGBTQ community. And for me, a space that when I think of it now, was so connected to my own journey. Paula's house is a good story because she did a lot. Like, that was the beginning of me in the community, and it started there. That's my friend Dina. That's when I started being involved in things. Not very much that my face would be at the front, but knowing what's happening and knowing the dramas in the communities and the happiness and the sadness and knowing secrets. (laughs) So how I came to know Paula is that someone in my family outed me and then my family took drastic measures and had me moved from one part of the country to another. I was in my early 20s. My family was, and still is, really important. I remember landing in Kisumu 
and feeling so removed from my friends and community. So I turned to Facebook. A friend reached out and told me to meet her one day at a mall close by so she could take me to find our people. So we met and then got on a number 44 Matatu and set off on a bus trip that took us up a hill, round some bends and into lots of housing estates on the edge of Kisumu. We got off at a place with a field and then walked into a labyrinth of alleyways and suddenly we were at a door. No rainbows or signs or red arrows pointing here. Just an ordinary house with a small veranda. There were six or seven pairs of shoes of varying sizes. But what was out of the ordinary was the sound of queer joy I could hear coming from inside. I remember getting a bit nervous and worrying about being likable and making a good impression. My friend opened the door and I followed her into a largish living room full of people engaged in animated conversation. The house was alive and lived in. Paula walked up to me with a smile and a hug and introduced me to everyone. She showed me around and I remember her showing me the extra bedroom and telling me if I ever needed a place to sleep, I had a room in her house. I immediately felt at home. Dina, you've already met. Let's meet some other people from those days. My name is Politeness. Uh, that's what I like to be called. Uh, bisexual woman. A mother to three adorable kids. A wife. A partner. Paula's house always had an open door policy. You get there... The array of slippers and shoes out there just tells you it is full. But hey, I'm also here. You know, like, no shame in me coming. This is where I want to be. You know? And you'd get in and Paula would be like, hey, 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 come in, come in. And she's hugging you and she saw you yesterday. You know, <laughs> you know it was always welcoming each and every day. You know, like, ah, you've come, me to see, you know, make yourself happy. It would always be welcoming because we just knew this is a space for us. She was like, Karibu, 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 Karibu. And this is your home. Just feel comfortable. Do you need juice? Do you need wine? There is lots of food. You can go to the kitchen. There is a bedroom you can sleep. Just feel free. My name is Mauricio Chieng, and I am a transgender man. I have known Paula Bor since 2011. Those days, life was so hard, you know, being a queer person, you come out. Then it was immediately after high school, so I was going through a lot. So I found that Paula's house was a, a, a safe space for me. And I met you in Paula's house. Yeah, this is this, this is true. <laughs> I used to spend in Paula's house most of the time, uh, like every day. But there is no day uh, I've heard about her complaining about queer people staying in her house. So Paula's place became a meeting point for us. I would literally just do stuff, leave my house, you know, when I'm on holidays and go to stick at Paula's place. I'd even sleep there, you know, for days, none on end, because I felt like this is where I wanted to be. It was a chill spot for me. You know, everyone is coming and, you know, cooking and just having fun, storing. You know, everyone was there. Like, we were like, wow, <laughs> you know.
she had her house broken into million times until we started worrying, you know, because it was targeted. And she'd always just do and say, no, I will not move because everyone comes here. People would steal from her, but she would still let them come. She was just open. I think it's time that we met the woman at the center of this Afro-queer episode. Mm-hmm. I'm Paula Abor. Most people know me as Paula Roba because of uh, social media. But Paula is just enough. If you find me as Paula, that's fine. I'm an activist, a human rights defender. And uh, my journey began uh, way back in Kisumu. Right. So now going to the house. Yes. How did you come to to open your house like that? Was it? Did it just happen or did you plan? Mm-mm, I didn't plan. Every time we could go to a space, we were so afraid. Then if we go to the park, it's even a scare stories. One time they arrested someone. At the park. So I thought, ah, now that I'm living here and I have a huge house, then uh, maybe I can just be inviting them for the sake of safety because people are very excited. So it started by just inviting a few of our friends to come and chill. Then uh, someone tells you, like, ah, where are you at? I'm in Migosi at Paula's place. Where is that? Before you realize, someone has called another, someone has called another, and it's like that. Then the house is full. And people came from everywhere. Nairobi, Mombasa, Turkana, I mean, everywhere. So everybody used to know we land in Kisumu, we land in Kisumu actually is Paula's house. I thank God for even the person I was dating at that time. She she was very understanding and accommodative. And uh, I feel good when I, I, I think about that space because it served people in many different ways. People who are not well, they would just come. And, and that time there was so much love within the community. Now Polar Place became that place where everybody could come to when they have challenges. We even had people whose parents, uh, when they were discovering about them, would send them away or they would fight or they would beat them properly. And then the only place they could run to is my house. In fact, uh, you have been to my place, the place I was staying. It had a very big sitting room, the dining space and the sitting room. So what I did was to invest in mattresses. So wherever someone would come and people are many, we just spread the mattress from here to, to the end. And now because I was also financially stable, I was working, I would just equip the fridge to enable us to, to have food to eat for the day. Or sometimes even some of them would come and uh, come with food. Uh, or if they want to drink, they carry drinks. So it's a place where even this catwalking thing used to happen there. It was just a free space for everyone. Even sometimes I think I even shocked my neighbors. I can remember one time they saw Elido. Elido is a well-known queer Christian feminist. They head up Kislev, which is an organization based in Kisumu. It stands up for the rights of LBQ women. And uh, they're wondering like, hey, and uh, is this a girl? Is this a boy? They're actually asking me like, hey, this, you have funny friends. I'm telling you, yeah, they're blessed. Those, those guys are blessed. In some ways, we were blessed. It was such fun, a place to party and celebrate. It's really tough being openly LGBTQ here in Kenya. People are disowned by friends and family, harassed, attacked, 
and sometimes killed. Back then, in 2008, when Paula opened up her doors, it was even harder. We didn't have as many support groups as we do now. So that Kisumu house was a lifeline in so many ways. And politeness really captures the mood. You feel so free, you know, because you're not afraid to hug anyone there. You're not afraid to kiss anyone there. You're not afraid to actually just show yourself who you are. It would be a meeting place for couples. And she was okay with it. And we understood. I came out publicly because of Paula. I came to know my gender identity because of Paula. And uh, she was very supportive when I was still confused between my gender. Then uh, she could take me through a lot of uh, education and I came across this word called transgender. And I told Paula that, you know, this is exactly who I am. I don't know, I feel comfortable uh, because I know this term and I would wish one day if I could start transitioning. Maurice Oching did begin his transition journey. Perhaps if he hadn't met Paula and through her other transgender people and support networks, he wouldn't have, and his life would have been very different. For politeness, it was personal, and it was also political, a space for debating and strategizing. Paula's house is where we kind of consolidated the idea of the LGBTI movement. We wanted to have this movement, wanted to, you know, give services to people. And, you know, we just realized that um, it's not just about your sexuality. You can explore other points of life. And it is in, in my house that the serious queer movement in Kisumu started. Because there is where we sat and talked about, we can form something that can include everyone. And that is how Nyawek was born in that space. That's the Nyanza, Rift Valley and Western Kenya Network, a coalition of groups which advocate for the rights of LGBTQ Kenyans in that part of the country. That is how 3W was born in that space. 3W is Women Working with Women, a support group for lesbians, bisexuals and queer women in Western Kenya. In the end, sadly, Paula's house became a different place. Remember politeness talked about stealing and the feeling that the house was being targeted? Well, the break-ins got worse and worse. And Paula, she ended up having two very public, very messy relationship breakups. And slowly, people started to drift away from the house and from Paula. I remember when me and, and Dina came, mm-hmm. I remember feeling very sad because I walked into your house and that was the first time I saw you alone. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I was like, where did all the people go? Well, uh, sometimes this, this movement is funny. People used to have so much love for each other until the donor money came in. That is when you started seeing the love for each other it could disappear. It became strange that after everybody opened up, I mean... No one has time for each other. And I mean, you're supposed to be a people that you know that you are you are being targeted out there and you know that, I mean, you're being discriminated and you're few. The best thing you can do is to hold yourself together. But we missed that somewhere along the way. So it got all mixed up until I felt at some point, I think I'm just better off keeping away from community that is going to make me sad.
Nowadays, Paula lives 50 or so kilometers north of Kisumu in a smaller town called Kakamega. It's right next door to Kenya's only tropical rainforest. It's really beautiful. But it's not known for being queer-friendly, something Paula is trying to change through her organization called Ujami Kenya. It's an organization that works now through religious spaces to ensure that anyone whose right is violated, then we're able to reach out and support them. It was like salve for my heart, going back and seeing her and seeing that she was happier than the last time I saw her. And she was doing other things and she was happy and she was laughing and, you know. There's a time Latoya came to visit me, Latoya Johnston, in Kakamega. For those of you who don't know, Latoya Johnson is a transgender model and designer. She's breaking barriers in Kenya's fashion scene. She's bright and bold and sure to turn heads, especially in a smaller place like Kakamega. And you know Latoya is flamboyant, a woman walking, and and she's a model at the same time. I took advantage of the Jamnekomba. You run to the road and just get into the car. Kumbe, where she's sitting, everybody's staring. So guys ran after Letoya up to the car. And they came knocking. They want to see, is that a woman? Is that a man? This is Kakamega. And for a minute, I got scared. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. We need to do a lot of sensitization. Paula is still doing the work to reduce stigma and open people's hearts to people like me. We leave Paula in Kakamega causing a stir and doing her inspiring work. There's just one loose end for me to try and tie up. When I pitched this story to Afroqueer, I didn't see this as my own story. I saw myself as a storyteller on the outside telling the story that is Paula's house. But how did I come to know about Paula and her house in the first place? because I was outed by someone in my family and then sent away by my mother. And so finally, the time to talk with my mom has arrived, right? To understand why she felt it was necessary to send me to Kisumu and for her to hear what it meant to me and how going to Paula's house allowed me to be who I am. Sadly, my mom wouldn't let me record the conversation, but at least we talked. It was painful for her, right? And like, I felt like I, I spoke, like I was just trying to comfort her with my words. Like, don't worry, I understand how hard this is for you, right? At least she didn't, you know, go into like, I want grandchildren, you know? The main takeaway was like, life is short, and if this is what it makes you happy, that's fine. And I think that's much better. And I told her, like, you're doing much better than a lot of people's parents, and you just, like, let me give you your flowers. To be honest, like this journey has also just like given me a few wet eye moments, you know, and understanding that Paula's house was a very large piece of a puzzle that has led me to to where I am now. It's made me be like happier with where I am, 
it's helped me realize how far I've come, how far organizing has come, how far the community has come, how much good has happened. So this has been a been a good journey. It's been cathartic. <laughs> yeah. What a journey, Annette. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. This episode was reported by Annette Acciano and Tevin Sudi. Produced by Penny Dale with assistance from Annette Acciano. Written by Penny Dale. Our story editor is Carrie Donahue. Tevin Sudi is our sound editor and Rachel Wamoto is our social media manager. Afroqueer is executive produced by me, Sally Chum. Our theme song is Power by Maya and the Big Sky. Afroqueer is supported by the Wellspring Philanthropic Fund and the Ford Foundation. We are proud to have partnered on this episode with the Africa Rights 2021 Festival, the UK's largest celebration of literature from Africa and the diaspora, organized by the Royal African Society. Join Annette and others on Tuesday, the 19th of October at Africa Rights for a virtual discussion about this episode by heading to www.africarights.org or check our show notes. This partnership is supported by the British Council's Digital Collaboration Fund. You can follow us on all our social media platforms at Afroqueer Podcast. And you can listen to all our episodes on our website, www.afroqueerpodcast.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Sally Chum. Thanks for listening.